0: Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast.
1: Where we equip you to support others.
0: I'm Bobby Jackson.
1: And I'm Noah Throw.
0: And today we're gonna be talking about burnout when you're helping hurting people.
1: Yes, Bobby and I are especially excited to talk with one of our former professors who's been in ministry and teaching students how to do ministry for over 35 years. And we're excited to hear his wisdom on how to faithfully do ministry, even in seasons where we feel worn out or discouraged.
0: Noah says he is one of our professors 15 years apart he was our professor so yeah he has been uh, at Moody Bible Institute since the beginning of time, which is when I started. And, <laughs> um, and I remember actually uh, the first kind of most influential, this kind of the starting point of my relationship with, with Bob was we went on a mission trip together. I took a class where we learned how to plan trips for students and we went to the Czech Republic. And the whole experience was great, but there was a day that we were all, it was like the free day at the end, we were in Prague and everybody else went off shopping. And I was like, I don't really have, I'm not like a, I, can I just hang with you? And he was willing to just chill with me for the day. And he's been a mentor, a role model, and and a friend ever since. So I'm super grateful for him. And that was, man, that's, that's almost 20 years
1: ago. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That is nuts. Yeah. I, I remember going into Moody and hearing about these professors from you and then walking into my first youth ministry class and Bob just walking in and starts cracking jokes. You know, I was talking to somebody and He was saying, you know, Bob and his colleagues have probably been one of the biggest impacts on the modern youth ministries of people today, just by the number of students that have come in and learned from them. And I just started thinking like, wow, this is great that this guy is the one who's, who's, you know, influencing and in charge of and shaping the lives of the youth pastors because he loves Jesus, he loves people, and he loves having fun. And so we're just excited to hear from him today.
0: Yeah, so we are excited to invite our guest, uh, Professor of Youth Ministry at Moody Bible Institute. He's been on the full-time faculty for 25 years, and before that, served as a youth
2: pastor, Dr. Bob McRae. Bob, welcome to the show. Bobby, thank you so much. Noah, thank you, uh, both of you, for those uh, very kind words. And I remember that day in Prague. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that was a a good time, and it did start a very long, long friendship for us. Super grateful.
0: Bob, could you could you just give uh, our listeners a little bit of the background on, on how you ended up in youth ministry? How did you know that, that that was where you wanted to be? How did the Lord call you into that vocation? How did you get to where you are?
2: Yeah, thanks. It's, a, it's an interesting question because when I was a student in high school, which we are talking uh, 50 plus years ago, right, <laughs> the earth had just been formed and <laughs> actually... When I was a student in high school, the church that I attended was one of the rare churches back then that actually had a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. And uh, the youth pastor that I had, uh, we called him PJ, uh, was one of these guys who um, was fun, but he loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. And my faith just grew as Mm -hmm. as a adolescent. And it was probably around my junior year in high school that I would watch him doing what he did. And I would watch my pastor doing what he did. And uh, I just kind of started picturing myself doing the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point when, you know, you start looking at colleges and start thinking about what you want to do, that none of the other options really seemed like, like it was something that had any interest to me. And so it became one of those things that, man, I I could see myself doing this. And it then it just kind of grew into this huge, huge desire that I then later kind of interpreted as a call. And uh, quite honestly, um, in 50 years, I've never really doubted that. I can't say that there haven't been a moment or two where I uh, thought, uh, man, did did I make the wrong choice here? But those moments have been rather fleeting. Mm. Yeah, that's great, Bob. And I think it's really
1: interesting. You know, I graduated from Moody recently and I think it's so cool that you have taught so many youth pastors because when I talk to people about their passion for youth ministry, it it sounds a lot like that. It's this person was really influential in my life and I thought about it and I couldn't see myself doing anything else. So to hear that, you know, that's your story and then you went on to just equip and teach so many youth pastors is just a really cool thing. And that's something I'm sort of curious about is You know, you did ministry for a really long time, and and then you started teaching on staff at at Moody Bible Institute. So when did you discover that passion for doing ministry, but also equipping others to do ministry? And what really speaks to you about equipping other people to become pastors in youth ministry?
2: Yeah, well, I tell you, that's my journey to Moody. I need to tell you, it's not one of those things where that was a long-term goal of mine. It wasn't that I, I thought, well, wow, I want to be a youth pastor for X number of years and then eventually become a professor and mm-hmm. teach what I've been doing for other, other people. And I never thought of youth ministry as being a stepping stone that you do this, you know, to get experience mm-hmm. and then you move on to something else. But yeah. although I have a couple of friends who are youth pastors um, who are 65, 66 years old, there aren't many of those. And I thought I was gonna be one of those individuals that probably around age 40 or so would transition and become a lead pastor somewhere and Mm. and preach. And it was about the time that I was sensing that that transition could be happening, that I was invited to come and uh, teach an adjunct class at Moody. Uh, Mm. It was now what is our Foundations of Youth Ministry class. And I traveled in. It was a block class on, on uh, for three hours long, and I I went in. And the first day that I had class, I was thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is incredible! I've got all these students who are here who are interested in youth ministry, want to learn how to do it well, and they have a, a, a passion for Jesus." And I remember coming home, you know, after the first week of a fifteen-week class, and my wife saying to me. Um, so Bob, how'd it go? I said, well, it went really well. I said, the only problem, I, I said, I told him everything I know. <laughs> we, have four, we have 14 more weeks left. And uh, I wasn't quite sure how I was gonna fill the time. But as I got to do that, and I was then uh, still uh, a youth pastor full-time, mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe, maybe God doesn't have a, a senior pastor in the future for me. Maybe this is something that he would want me to do. And it was shortly after I started that uh, Moody approached me and said, would you ever think about coming on board full time? And it was a two year process for there to be an opening and for all that to, uh, to develop. But I love what I do. I just Mm -hmm. love what I do. I mean, what a great privilege to be able to take the experience that God's given uh, me, um, the, the background, my love for students, and be able to share that with people coming in yeah. wanting to do the same thing. It's
0: clear that you love what you do. Uh, I think to us as your students, it was clear in the room with you that you enjoyed having us there and that we weren't like, yeah, we weren't an obligation. We weren't mm. a paycheck. As students, you seemed to
2: thrive when you were there, and it made it really easy to be in your classes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, you know, that's that's nice to hear and uh, rewarding to hear, and I, I appreciate that. It's one of those things where so much of discipleship is relationships, mm-hmm. and uh, it's hard to disciple people that you don't care about or that you don't love, mm-hmm. you know, and not that you folks uh, were perfect, all right. Uh, well, you, you two were. Some of the others weren't. But, uh, oh, no. uh, uh, but you know, not that. Is, but again, anyone doing youth ministry—you uh, you probably remember this. Probably one of the first days of classes that, yeah, the goal of youth ministry is to make disciples. And uh, two things that you need to have is you have, need to have a love for God and a love for teenagers. Mm. You know, there's some people who just don't like teenagers. That's okay unless you're in youth work, <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> uh, and so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. these two things clash yeah. a lot. If you're in yeah, youth they work, do, and they you do don't clash like teenagers. Yeah
1: yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I remember personally, like the 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 thing that was striking about your discipleship process uh, for me, as somebody who who you have mentored, came when I I came back from a really rough season of my life, and you remembered more about my life than I did, I thought. Like, I remember sitting in your office and you asked me, like, step by step, how's this part of your life and how's this part of your life and how's this part... And it had been, at that point, probably a two-year gap is probably the longest gap we've had between connections. And the fact that you remember those things about a former student, uh, like, I remember at the time thinking, I have to keep him in my life. Like, this guy, this guy, this, what what he does is really special and... uh, and for me, that that was, it was uh, meaningful, but it was more, it was like almost healing, like to know someone could care like about me that deeply. And at that point, I really needed, I needed someone like that in my life. So I'm really grateful for you.
2: Well, well thanks, Bobby. And uh, as I said, I'm, I'm grateful for you as well. And uh, it's interesting. I do think God has given me a memory for little details of people's mm-hmm. lives Sometimes better than names, and uh, you know sometimes <laughs> if I have a student come back who I haven't seen for 20 years, I can't think of their name right away, but I remember what town they're from or something <laughs> like that, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, yeah.
1: well, Bob, I think something that really shines through in just hearing you speak and then something else I think we both really got when we were you know under you as, as students is that you have a great love for discipling people, you have a great love for students and you really love not just teaching students how to do ministry to others uh, effectively but you really like to put an emphasis on teaching god's word and getting students to internalize how to teach his word well to other people so share a little bit just on your philosophy on how to teach students well so that they internalize god's word and then they can teach and spread that word to others really
2: effectively Yeah, well, you know, we've been talking already um, here about this idea of discipleship and mentoring. And I truly believe that the purpose of student ministry, as should be the purpose of almost any ministry, is uh, that we should want to make disciples. Mm -hmm. And it saddens me when I see a number of youth ministries, and whether they be parachurch, whether they be in the church, that put such an emphasis on entertainment Mm. that they are, are trying to basically just provide a good time for kids. Mm. And I'm, I'm all for having a good time, but I believe the good time needs to be a tool Mm. for discipleship, not the end game. Mm. And Mm. so I think we have to remember that it's God's word that changes people's lives. Uh, Not you, not me, it's God's Word that has the power to change uh, students' lives. And I think one of the things that we need to do as we communicate God's Word is, one, is realize that many times students have more ability to understand things and to dig deeper than we oftentimes give them credit for. Mm -hmm. When I was a youth pastor, I had a bunch of students taking AP classes and all this other kind of things in school and uh, they were challenged at school and they didn't need then to come to our youth group and get like a 10 minute 15 minute devotional that didn't cause them to think at all Mm -hmm. and so i i think what we have to do is one is realize that students have the ability uh, to dive deeper Mm -hmm. but i think one of the things that is hugely important that oftentimes is uh, lacking in sermons lacking in teaching is application We have to always be helping students understand, how does this portion of scripture connect with my life? Hmm. And if this is true, then what does that mean uh, for me? And Hmm. how then should I live in response to what this scripture is teaching? And then just because we're going deep and we're digging uh, does not mean that we can't have some fun with it in terms of our illustrations, in Mm -hmm. terms of stories that we use to keep students engaged and and so forth. And for middle school kids, you generally need a few more of those kind of stories, Uh, but you both know that I don't have a problem laughing at myself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to share, you know, when you're teaching situations of when you did something embarrassing or when something uh, happened, uh, uh, you know, and they, they can see the teacher as being a real person. And then, again, you, you have both been mm-hmm. emphasizing this, that when you are building relationships with students and they know you and they know that you care about them, mm-hmm. they're much more apt to listen to what you're teaching than if you're just this figurehead in front of a room, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, can walk by you and doesn't know your name or, mm-hmm. or, or, or what have you.
1: And even if they don't know your name, they'll remember your town.
2: Uh, so that's, they, right. <laughs> that's right. That's
1: right. And that's either way, important. They'll, they'll know yeah. something. Yeah. I'm glad you were listening, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something you, something you taught us to do well. Well, you know, I kind of wanted to turn a corner. And as we said earlier in the show, we kind of wanted to talk about burnout and, and what it's like for maybe pastors or people in ministry when we're working hard, we're pouring out a lot, and we just experience this weariness and this... this uh, maybe it comes from discouragement, or maybe it comes from encouragement to do a lot all the time. And I remember a book you gave to us in one of your classes, and it had a line of matches with a unlit match at the beginning, and then bit by bit, there were matches that were a little bit burnt out uh, more and more until the final match was completely black and, and burnt. And it was a great picture for me and I know because you know I can still remember it of what unfortunately happens to a lot of people who are who are giving a lot in ministry which is they become weary and they burn out and so I know you've taught a bunch of people and obviously in your classes you speak about it a lot but I'd be curious to hear Where have you maybe seen this in pastors or people in ministry, and what are some of the main things you see contributing to burnout in ministry or weariness or maybe overextending ourselves to the point of needing to intentionally take
2: uh, time out? Yeah, a great question, because I tell you, it's one of those things that unfortunately is not a rare thing to see, Mm. okay? And, you know, I've had... I've had former students who I think have hit the wall. I've had friends who have mm-hmm. hit that wall. Mm. And I think even now with all of what is happening in our culture, with all of the, uh, the COVID concerns and how ministries have had to shift. And I personally, this semester, am uh, teaching remotely. And although most of my peers are not, uh, I am. And uh, I tell you, uh, I hurt for not having my people fix, you know, even if individuals are able to uh, go to a church, you know, uh, I, and I, this is not a political statement here. I understand why we're doing what we're doing, but as humans, we are not designed to live social distancing from each other forever. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we need to be able to hug people. We need to be able to be close to people. And, uh, how ministries have had to shift and such and people being isolated from others is not only causing stress on the students that we're teaching, but I think it's causing stress on those who are teaching. It's just, you know, it's a new dynamic that is not normal. It's not natural. So right now we have that going on, but you add that on top of all the other things that have been pressures in the past that i think have often uh, led people to burnout i think one of them can be uh, unrealistic expectations and those Mm. uh, unrealistic expectations can be expectations that we put on ourselves but it also might be the unrealistic expectations that other people have for us Mm. you know parents might think oh wow we hired this person to come in and do uh, student ministry so therefore they're going to fix my kid you know, um, because we're paying them to do that. And so that's, that's going to be great. And if that student doesn't necessarily respond to what we're doing or whatever, then we start feeling pressure because maybe that pressure is coming from the parents or it's coming from leadership or, or what have you, or, you know, uh, too many times ministries are judged by numbers. And if those numbers aren't going up fast enough, people equate that to, uh, To failure. And I'm not saying that numbers are unimportant, but they're not everything. And uh, oftentimes we need to build a strong foundation before we start building up. And sometimes people don't understand that. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes too, I think a lack of support can cause burnout. And that support can just be the emotional support, the encouragement, uh, uh, having a boss who knows what's going on and can uh, understand and be af- affirming, I think it's important that those uh, who have people who work underneath them understand what their love language is and they realize that, you know what, there's some people just need, need words of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Some people just need to hear you're doing a good job because sometimes it's not because a person isn't doing a, a good job, but it's because the person who's the boss doesn't tick that way and doesn't think it needs to be said Mm -hmm. also um in ministry oftentimes there can be financial stress i do tell my students you don't go into this to get wealthy (laughs) Uh, but when you are in a stressful job that stress that you then take home can just be exacerbated when you now are trying to figure out how am i going to pay the bills Mm -hmm how am I going to take care of this? Uh, you know, we can't go um, to a fun place with the kids because we don't have have the money for mm-hmm. it. And so you kind of feel like you're going from one stressful situation mm-hmm. to the other. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes ministries need to take a look at, you know, are we taking care of our people well enough? Because when we're not, I think that can add to to uh, stress as well.
1: So maybe you're a leader in a difficult season or you're feeling burnt out. And if that's you, having someone like Bob in your life to offer wisdom and insight can be really helpful.
0: That's why Rally Point has a coaching program for ministry leaders. We know how hard it can be to figure out those difficult seasons, especially when you're alone, especially when you're working with hurting people and experiencing stress yourself. We think talking with a coach can help you process difficult moments like those and equip you with tools that will help you avoid burnout in your ministry.
1: And you can set up an initial conversation with a coach at no cost by visiting rallypointmin.com coaching.
0: Uh, you mentioned support. And if I was to take this down to a personal level, there have been a couple of times in the last 15 ish years that I have felt burnout. And I remember being able to come to you. And one time, like the really specific advice you gave me, I was at Moody. I was trying to do too many things at one time. And I was feeling guilty about my own spiritual life. And I was, I remember having this conversation with you where I was like, I just feel bad because I'm not like, carving out the time I wish I was carving out and you looked at me you're like Bobby you're literally studying the bible every day. Why don't you just make that devotional and like connect with god when you're studying and like as a as a young person in ministry just trying to think through oh wait a minute all of this is real. There's not an academic. It's not like god doesn't become just academic. God doesn't become just your sermon prep and and for me that bit of advice and support actually transformed the way I do Ministry and especially sermon prep. Because of my sermon preps over the years, like our families made major changes in, in the way we did life. Because of that conversation, I started to see those moments of study as truly devotional moments and they became life giving instead of life sapping. And like that to me was a, a huge piece of support that you lent that came and became very con- a concrete change in the way my, I, I ordered my life.
2: That is so encouraging to hear you say that because not everyone agrees with me on that one. You know, there's there's some people who say, oh, you need to carve out this portion of the, your day for your personal time with God. And I guess I just don't see see us segmenting our lives into all these different things as opposed to the fact that God is present in all of them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I say this to the freshmen who are, uh, you know, they need to read through the Bible as part of their you know their Old Testament survey, their New, their New Testament survey. It's like you know who says that God can't speak to you through that? And mm-hmm. so instead of just sitting down and starting to read, say God, you know yes, I'm doing this for an assignment, but please show me something that you, you want to show me through this. And I'm not saying that it's never good to have a time where you're studying something apart from what you're preparing. but I think too many times in life, we separate things out as opposed to seeing how God interweaves through all of them. Yeah. And uh, again, it's that same mentality that there's some families, um, probably not enough, but there's some families who still have devotions around the table, which is good, but never have spiritual conversations outside of that. Away from the table, yeah. Away from mm-hmm. the table, and it's like mm-hmm. you know, you're taking a walk with your your uh, your kid through the woods, and you you see something you know i'm not saying that you have to make everything into a spiritual conversation but Mm -hmm. there's so many times we miss the opportunity of bringing god into things where it then just becomes a normal part of conversation and so um yeah so i I, i'm i'm glad to hear that 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 was helpful to you bobby yeah um
0: so we've referenced a couple of times how how long you've been in ministry have you experienced burnout in your own life and and if you if so how did you address it? Because I think a lot of us relate to at least seasons of, of, is this where I should be or what should I do? What, what do you do to, to maintain
2: longevity? Yes, I have uh, experienced that in, uh, in my own life. And I remember one time specifically uh, when I was a, a youth pastor, our church had gone through <clears> a <throat> horrible, horrible time and uh, the church had basically blown up wasn't a huge church, but it wasn't a small church. We went from four full-time and two part-time pastors to just me. By the time Mm -hmm. all the dust settled, I was the only one left. And um, I started wearing a lot of different hats and uh, had a lot of responsibility apart from the student ministry. Because of things that were happening, there's just a lot of tension, a lot of pressure. And I remember feeling burnt out and wondering Uh, if I could continue to do this and uh, wondering if I even needed to get out. And uh, to be honest, I got scared. Uh, I I got scared of, um, uh, I remember even talking to one of the elders and say, I haven't done anything stupid, but I'm afraid I might. I mean, I I was afraid Mm. that if someone came up to me and said something uh, that I didn't like, I would haul off and punch them. (laughs) You you know what I mean? Or I I, I was, I just felt like I was so, raw. yes. Yeah. And I remember a, a, a dear friend of mine whose uh, father was a counselor, a MD, a psychiatrist, said, Bob, um, I'm going to set up a time for you to go talk to my dad. And I went, and I was kind of expecting him to, to say that I was clinically depressed. And after we talked, he said, Bob, I really don't think you are clinically depressed. I think that you are more depressed because of the situation you're in. And he gave me some uh, ideas and some thoughts of things to do. Um, And one of the things that uh, I think saved me is I had a accountability partner who was in youth ministry who was at a different church than the church I was in in the same town. And he and I would get together and we would talk and I would just be able to share everything with him as to what was going on in my life, the pressure and uh, because he was from another church, I could just be totally honest with him and not feel like I was saying anything that was going to be undermining leadership or, or whatever. And that was, that was wonderful for me. And obviously, uh, time in God's word and prayer. I mean, that was, that was huge where even if you're reading God's word, and I think we've all had those times where we feel like we're so burnt out. We feel like, okay, I'm not getting anything out of this to force ourselves can be helpful. And there were times where I I would pray and I said, God, I don't even know how to pray right now, Um, but the Spirit can pray on my behalf and He knows what I need. And I would just like sit there silently before God. That was uh, huge. God has blessed me with a wonderful, wonderful spouse. And mm-hmm. there was a, there was a, a time, I, uh, you know, even before this, I had forgotten about this one. It wasn't so much of a burnout. It was a situation where I just was not making it financially in ministry. And I, I was looking into other occupations. And I remember telling my wife, um, I said, Pam, I really think God wants me to do something else because I, I'm not supporting you and the girls the way I'd like And I remember her looking at me and saying, Bob, I feel like you're gifted. I feel like God uses you. It sure seems like God has called you to ministry. If he's calling you out of ministry, I will support you. But I just want you to be really, really sure that this is God calling you out and not, you know, you. Because I'm willing to take the sacrifices necessary for you to keep doing what we feel God has called you to do. So um, having a good supportive spouse can be helpful. That doesn't mean that they never get down or they never say, we don't have enough money for this, or Mm -hmm. how come we can't get this to fix up the house or or, or what have you, but that was helpful. And you know what, Uh, something else that was just good for me on a good practical basis, it's just good to have a hobby. It's good to have Mm -hmm. something that you can do, that you enjoy, hopefully that you can enjoy with other people, it has nothing to do with your job. That is something that you can look forward to, and that was that was helpful for me as well.
1: Bob, that's really valuable, and you know, I really think you gave a lot of key things in there that, that can be great supports for people who are trying to prepare themselves against burnout, or even maybe riding the line between that. I think we've all experienced in ministry. There's some really tumultuous seasons that sometimes you just need to lean on those supports, and to have those in place is is a really key thing. But I'm curious to hear your advice for somebody right now who maybe didn't have those supports or is, is maybe finding out a little bit too late that they need to put those supports around. Somebody who may be worn down or, or burnout right now listening to this. What would you say to somebody just in the midst of that space right now to either help them get through it, move out of that space, or, or try to begin healing or setting up those supportive spaces?
2: Yeah, I I think one of the things people need to take a look at is am I just in a difficult season right now in this particular uh, ministry or am I in a toxic place? I mean, there are some ministries that are just toxic. Hmm. Um, You know, the the leadership um, have expectations that are unrealistic and there's no support. And uh, it's like, okay, this isn't going to get better unless there's a change in leadership. And that is not on the horizon. And I think that there are times that people need to look and go, you know what, this is just not a healthy place for anyone, let alone me, mm. and I may need to get out. Now, that doesn't mean that we only look for ministry spots that are going to be easy. But I think we have to ask ourselves, okay, is this toxic or am I just going through a difficult time? Mm. And if we're going through a difficult time to to bring those people in uh, who can help us to look for some of those different things that I, that I talked about. Mm. But, you know, I think there do come times... Uh, Uh, where people are at a point where it's like, you know what? I need to take a break from this for a while. I need to heal. And God may have them step away uh, from things for a while, and they get the healing, and then, you know, they're able to to enter back in Mm. a year or two later, whatever it might be. Yeah,
1: that's great. That's super valuable. And I'm curious, and we sort of—wrapping up here, I would just be curious to hear— Um, Because you have so much wisdom, and and obviously, like you said, you know, you stretched that first week when you told everybody what you knew into 25 years, so you're doing something right.
2: I keep saying the same thing over and over.
1: (laughs) It's pretty easy because there's new students every year, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm curious to hear, what's just one thing that you'd love for anybody, leader, volunteer, you know, pastor? What is one thing that you'd love for all those people in ministry uh, to take away and internalize?
2: You know, I think a lot of times we put unrealistic expectations on ourselves, mm. and we don't realize that student ministry discipleship takes time, and we need to pace ourselves. So, I, I I think this would be my uh, my one takeaway. Um, there's only one Savior, and you're not him. Mm.
1: Hmm. Definitely, when we put that unrealistic expectation of ourselves to be Jesus, to sacrifice ourselves completely for others, we're never gonna. Um, be able to do that. And thank goodness that he did so that we can proclaim that message to people and they can find hope in that. Well, Bob, that's super valuable. I, I just love listening to you. I've loved this conversation and I, I'm sure, you know, we'd love to have you back. And it's just so fantastic to hear all your wisdom and to know you're still out there just encouraging and equipping people to um, disciple others, to make disciples and, and to love and trust in Jesus and the hope that
2: he gives to us in all seasons of life. Well, it's been great being with you, you guys, and thank you for what you do. So
0: grateful to have had Bob on our podcast. He has been an incredible influence in my life, and it is with genuine pleasure that I get to share some of uh, some of that experience I've had with him with you all. Um And I, I, especially that last line is still ringing in my ears that he said, uh, that we are not Jesus. And on the one side, that's like relieving of my savior complex. But on the other side, there's a true privilege of like, Jesus is going to be the one who ultimately redeems and restores things. And so in the midst of my burnout seasons, I can bank on Jesus is reliable and, um, and and I, I he is he is just as much he has just as much delight in me when I'm hard charging as when I'm just uh,
1: relaxed laid back and enjoying him. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate that Bob said that as well, and it's so awesome to know that that is the heart of the man who is um, making disciples and equipping people to go out and spread the gospel to other people, and especially hmm. that that's his encouragement because his encouragement. Is focused on Jesus and uh, not focused on do this thing, it'll be okay, and you know this is how uh, everything works out. But that is his main focus and encouragement is you know we are not Jesus and Jesus does save, and that's just such a renewing and um, and yeah hopeful thing to leave us with. So I'm just so thankful for Bob, and we've actually constructed some of what he shared with us today into a great resource that is a worksheet on burnout that combines what Bob talked about with some personal evaluation tools. And we'd love for you to be able to use that and figure out where you are in terms of burnout and to be able to figure out your next steps.
0: To get that guide, go to rallypointmin.com podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link where you can download this resource and get others that we've created just for you.
1: And if you like what you heard today, please rate or review this podcast by doing that, You can empower other leaders with tools and experience that can help them support others. And also,
0: we really want to hear from you. So we'd love to hear about what from this episode was helpful to you and and what challenges you're currently facing that we could cover next. So if you'd like to contact us, please send us an email to hello at rallypointmin.com. Thank you so much for listening today.